Welcome back to the Chasing Tone Podcast. Today we talk about some upcoming gear uh, uh, events coming on, like GearFest and Summer Nam, and uh, we also talk about the best budget amps, perhaps for a good pedal platform. We talk about a bunch of other stuff too, so let's jump into it. I hit it. I hit record. You just press it. Don't hit it next time. Oh, I smacked it. Smacked it. Yep. Donald. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually had you slightly convinced that I had a duck in my, in my barn. <laughs> That's not that weird, though. It is. Yeah, like, that is true. For a guy that has goats, having a duck is not a far-fetched far-fetched thing no that's why i was like okay brian's he's got goats he's got a duck now uh, that's that's perfectly reasonable uh, a thing yeah and it's just quiet enough in the ear that like it does kind of almost sound like it's you know like on the floor next to you or something right like it, it's sitting on my lap and i'm just petting the back of his you know mane or whatever you would call that on a duck i don't know Ducks do feel nice. You ever pet a duck? I've never petted a duck. No. Oh, they they're quite nice. I could see it if a duck would chill. Like I could definitely, you know, I had a, have the, instead of having a lap dog, I could have a lap duck. I had a duck chase me trying to bite me once. Does that count? That sounds like a duck that needs to speak to its therapist. Apparently, if you get too close to their babies, they don't like it. Well, yeah, had that same interaction with a bear once, but we won't go there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let's just say it was interesting. You ever seen The Revenant? No, I haven't. So, well, it was something like that. No, I never was attacked by a bear. That would be bad. See, now I can see that happening. Me getting attacked by a bear? Yeah. Because like um, you're you're an organ. Or yeah. organ. That's the Indiana way of saying it. Oregon. Um, which is uh, you know, you have bears out there, right? We got bears. We have, yeah. We have coyotes um, and foxes here. No bears. We don't have foxes so much, but we definitely have coyotes. We have tons of foxes. I think, I think everywhere has coyotes. I heard there was coyotes in New York City, like in Central yes. Park. Yeah. Yeah, they're being overrun. Or they're that's overrunning so, things. That's so crazy. So crazy. It is. Very much indeed. Today mm-hmm. on Chasing the Wildlife Podcast, we talk about... <laughs> Bitcoin, bears. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Bitcoin, bears, and coyotes in Central Park. <laughs> All this and more on the Chasing Tone podcast. Oh, no. If we're not careful, we're going to have to change the name to Blake and Brian Talk About Random Things podcast. <laughs> Which isn't entirely off base from what we're currently doing right now. Pretty much, or the last hour. Oh, yeah, the whole last hour. Where we wandered around our... our uh, our uh, various areas. I was walking around my neighborhood and you were out in the woods and <laughs> yes, just discussing random things is what we do best. We should just always record everything when we're talking and we could have a whole nother podcast. <laughs> it's a whole different type of podcast. Yeah, exactly. So sweet. So uh, Sweetwater Gear Fest is coming up next week. Is it next week? No, today is the seventh as we record yes. this. And so mm-hmm. the 22nd and 23rd is Gear Fest at Sweetwater. If you happen to be anywhere near Fort Wayne, Indiana, I'll be there. I'll gladly take uh, you know, a nice cold beer if it's in the evening or a cup of nice uh, 
freshly ground Guatemalan antigua beans, uh, you know, into, you know, obviously made into coffee. Uh, two and a half spoons of sugar, one creamer, please. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. I will Don't. not, I will not be there and I will not be serving you coffee, but if I was, I would be sure and bring you the finest that Seven Eleven had to offer. <laughs> McDonald's, man, McDonald's. McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> Gearfest. So I've never been to Gearfest. I always think about it. Um, how is it different than? I mean, I know, I know that it's different, but how is it different than your average kind of gear? Um, you know, guitar show or or trade show type of thing. What sure. what makes Gearfest kind of its own thing? Other than it's in Indiana where you live. Right. Well, so let's start with Nam, which is probably one of the biggest argue 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 yeah to, yeah that word to argue <laughs> arguably um, mm-hmm. so at nam you it, they're the whole intention at nam is for the for people who make stuff and people who buy stuff at the retail level like distributors and stores to meet in one place and they can find out new products find new uh, manufacturers and buy products for their store, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not really geared for the consumer level, which is the guy that or gal that wants to play the new guitar or whatever. You can. It's not that you can't. It's just not set up. And it, and what I mean by that is there's a volume. Like you have to stay under a certain volume level. Um, oddly enough, the ambient volume in the aisleways is louder decibel-wise than what you're allowed to turn up the amp. So mm-hmm. you really, you can't turn up much at all. So, um, that does create problems and, um, it's just not, it's just not consumer focused. It's at not, all. It's, it's not consumer focused. Whereas other guitar shows, like whether it's Austin or, uh, or gear fest, it, it's really more focused on the actual people who will be playing the instruments, you know? So it's not a problem for you, for the consumer to come up and, crank the amp and actually get a feel for what it's going to sound like, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's much, it's a much better place for actual people who are into buying gear, like, you know, for yourself. It's a much better place for that to happen. I think than like a NAM or something like that. So GearFest, you can like NAM, you're not officially quote unquote, officially supposed to sell on the floor. That's another thing. Um, yes. Yeah. You're, you're not supposed to sell. In fact, if you do sell, they make it they go to great lengths to make it hard like you have to walk the person out the door with the product and it's it's just not uh it's not easy yeah it's really weird i've bought things there before at nam and i'm like all sneaky like i got this in my backpack I'm like don't worry about it it's just a guitar pedal that i brought with me today to show people it's not one i picked up from them <laughs> and that's not the receipt for it that's not the receipt that's a rest that's from the restaurant that i ate at <laughs> they served a fuzzy burger it's fine uh yeah so and you know of course like at um you know the, the guitar shows then that's what they're there for they're there to sell product so and usually you know they'll have sales so while gear fest goes on or if you're at a guitar show they'll do 10 15 20 percent off whatever Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it's a little bit more of an incentive for people to pick up gear, take it home, covet it. So you know, so Gearfest is more like a big version of like what you, your like your local guitar show would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, much more Got like it. that. Yep. Okay. Well, that does sound like more fun. And that's that's very much what, uh, I mean, plugged it all over the place, but that's what Fear the Riff is, too. It's like a bigger version of kind of your right. mom and pop guitar show. Yeah, it's kind of a Fear of the thing. Riff type event. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Except Sweetwater is a little more conservative, I, I think, than um, Fear the Riff. So there's another, what I mean by that is like they they ask manufacturers to, for example, they ask manufacturers to wear khaki pants and a button-up polo shirt. To, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and I I won't mention the name, but a, a well-known pedal company contacted me this week and uh, because it's their first year doing Gear Fest. And they're like, what is this? <laughs> is this real? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, dude, like, no, no one pays attention to that rule. I said, they're lucky uh, this hillbilly wears a shirt when I go there. Because <laughs> it's hot. It is really hot there. It's you're on blacktop and it's ninety degrees. So, it's uh, you know they're lucky I'm not stripped down to the bikini underwear with you know sitting in a lounge <laughs> chair with a, a cooler full of beer going ah just play this stuff whatever you want I'll be over here chilling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let me know. Bring your credit card over if you want something. I wonder what would happen if I actually did bring it like a lawn chair, had a little umbrella in there, like a tiki umbrella, you know, over mm-hmm. the lawn chair. Uh, playing a little Bob Marley music in the background, just chilling, you know? Wonder wonder if yeah. that would fly. I mean, why not? I'm okay with it. <laughs> It'd probably go over fine at Fear the Riff. That's true. I don't think so at GearFest, though. I don't think anyone would be able to hear your Bob Marley music at Fear the Riff, but that's okay. Um, you know, the... It's a little bit of a louder environment than I think what people are accustomed to. Yeah, for the, and that's inside, right? For the Rift was inside, I think. Yeah, right? it's yeah. inside. So where Gearfest is out, you're outside in their gigantic parking lot, and uh, you know you're in tent. Like there's tents for not like each manufacturer, but like let's say they'll have four or five. Well, maybe more than that. Let's say let's say ten companies, effects related, all bunched together mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, you know, and then like all the synth stuff will be in a different tent. All the DJ stuff is in a different tent. So it's kind of separated out a bit, but it's, um, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's cause you get to, you know, I've talked about this before where you actually get to talk to the people that are playing your, your, your gear, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than nothing, you know, obviously nothing derogatory towards buyers or anything, but it's, it's a little different in having a gear conversation with a buyer. Because they're interested in margins and, you know, marketing ideas and like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And not many of them ask about, you know, so it's a Marshall flavored pedal. Well, which Marshall did you use when you were coming up with it? You know, what, t- what, what output tubes were Right. In, you know? <laughs> they're more like, so, all right, you got a dirt box. How much money can I, can we squeeze out of this? Right. Thing? <laughs> it's a little more focused that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun though. I mean, it's uh so it's Gearfest, uh, 22nd, 23rd, and then I'm home for like a day, and then mm-hmm. I'm at Nashville Nam for like a week. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm so like I'm so a little bit torn. I'm gonna be in Nashville, like just sound it's looking I don't have a hard date nailed down yet, but it looks like just after Nam. Um which is a bummer. But it's just circumstances dictate that that's what's gotta happen. I've never been to Summer Nam. And you I, haven't. I, I was thinking you were last year. Uh, <laughs> cardboard me was. Oh, that's right. That's right. 
<laughs> well, you've been to Winternam though. Winternam is much bigger, probably probably ten to fifteen times bigger than Summernam. Yeah, I, I I've been to been to Winternam three times now, and uh, yeah, I've never never made it to Summer. Although I love Nashville so much. Yeah, um, it's it. I would call Nashville Nam the funner one for for me to go to personally. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things to do there is, well, you're right there off the strip, right off of Broadway, which is where mm-hmm. all, all the, you know, tourist bars are. And there's a lot of great musicians playing in those bars. And so, um, it's, it's fun to go up there and sit in with, especially, I mean, I know some of the guys that play in those bands, so it's fun to go up there and just sit in for a few songs and hang out and I don't know, soak it up, I guess. For sure. So, For sure. And, and playing a bar in Nashville is a lot different than playing a bar in like, you know, Franklin, Indiana. P- pretty you know? much anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a bar in Nashville uh, along Broadway is packed full. I mean, like elbow to elbow. And it's literally like a mini concert, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's when you go to, uh, you know, the local VFW in, you know, Whiteland, Indiana. It's not like that. <laughs> There's about five people you're playing to, and one of them's the the waitress, you know, and the other one's the cook. <laughs> so, so, I think we've talked about this before, and I don't yeah. know if this has to do with. I don't think it has to do with getting older because I've always kind of felt this way, um, and I I don't think that it's probably a very popular thing, especially with musicians. But I feel like I gotta say it. If I'm going to a restaurant or something, I generally just want to go to the restaurant to eat my food. Um, if there's a band playing, oftentimes I'll be like, oh, oh man, there's a band playing, <laughs> which is terrible to think as a musician. What but when I want to go see live music, I want to go see live music. When I want to eat a burger, I want to eat a burger. I think it, I think it depends. And if you, if you know that you're going to be there and there's going to be a band there, you can kind of wrap the two up, right? But yeah, I, yeah. I, I can totally relate to the times where like, I just want to get a bite to eat and get away from the noise. And you're like, oh, man, there's a freaking band playing. Like, really? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Which like, I feel terrible like thinking that because I'm a musician. I love music. I love bands. I think rock and roll is amazing and I want it to do well. And, you know, somebody playing out live, that's a that's a good thing for them to do. But like sometimes I'm like, man... Can I, I want to catch you with the, you know, I don't know. When it catches me off guard, I guess. It's not like I'm universally bummed when there's a band at a restaurant. It's just if I'm going there expecting to just chill. It's very situational. It's like, yeah, it yeah. just depends on what what your expectations are, I think. You know? That is true. That's true. Because there's a local, like, Scottish slash Irish pub thing. And if I know that there's a band playing down there, I'm, I get excited. I'm like, oh, this will be some fun, like, Celtic music or something. Let's go check it out. And eat fish and chips. So right. I guess it is more... Uh, what you're expecting. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you're wanting to go on a nice dinner date with the wife, you know, maybe go to Chili's or something like that. And uh, that's a joke, by the way. And uh, <laughs> and there's a band playing, even though bands don't usually play at Chili's. But let's say there's a band playing. And you're like, come on, man. I just want to have a relaxing dinner with my wife. Mm-hmm. You know? I just wanted to have a margarita, unlimited salsa, and call it a night. <laughs> Why can't I get my margarita lime chicken without a band? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I and yeah, and I think that that's probably how everyone feels. But I guess, you know, it's not the band's fault. 
You know, no, it's, not at all. And it's 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 not really anybody's fault. I'm sure that the restaurant, like that I've walked into, whatever it's it's happened many times. I'm sure that that was announced weeks and weeks in advance, and I just happened to stumble into it that day. It's not really anyone's fault. It's just uh, I don't know. I would think that as a musician, I wouldn't ever feel that way, but I, I definitely do. Well, I've sometimes. played gigs. I've played gigs in that circumstance before, where you're really the background music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I've done it with different bands. I've been in both situations, the same situation, but in two different, totally paradigms. So one is where, even though you are the background music, the singer ain't going to have that. Oh no, sir. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no. Oh no. It's going to be a freaking concert. You know. And uh, he's like, crank it up, boys. We're going to play three steps tonight over and over and then followed up with Freebird, you know? And then you're like, come on, man. Like, really, I think we should be playing jazz or something because I don't think these people really care about Leonard Skinner. Um, <laughs> but then I've also been on the other side with like, all right, guys, we just got to just kind of tone it down. You know, we just kind of play some music for people to eat dinner to, you know? Um, that usually works a little better, but... You also got to know the. I mean, you, you got to know what you're getting into. It, it's <laughs> there's nothing worse than playing a gig and being told over and over to turn down, and you're like, I'm playing acoustic. I can't turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Listen, James Taylor, could you take it easy over there? I say that because that actually happened to me at a VFW once. Uh, we were getting ready to sound check, playing an acoustic guitar. Someone came up and asked us to turn it down. <laughs> I said, uh, I can't. It's impossible. This doesn't turn <laughs> down. <laughs> this doesn't have a volume knob on it, sir. I could play a bit more gently, but then you won't hear it at all. And he says, exactly. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Random, so. random things. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought of that. What led to that? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> uh, no, you did bring up a good subject earlier, though, which is about inexpensive amps. Yeah, I think we've talked about pe- inexpensive pedals that we liked a lot. Um, and I was kind of just looking around the shred shed, and I've got quite a few amps sitting around. And some of them, you know, more expensive. Uh, some of, them, and a, but several that are very cheap. Um, that I actually like. You know what? This is a pretty good amp, and you can get it for peanuts. Um, and I, I'm sure that that would be probably a little bit worthwhile talking about. Just, I have a little bit of experience with a handful of cheap amps that I really like. Um, some of which, or one of which usually I get ridiculed for, but still it sounds pretty good, especially considering it, you can get it for almost free. Um, so I don't know if you have anything in that. I know you, you kind of tend to select a good pedal platform and call it, call it a day, right? Um, I do personally. I mean, so like right now I'm looking on Reverb's, uh, best selling budget amps, right? So we got, like mm-hmm. a Black Star HT one watt, uh, Blues Junior, of course, Pro Junior, Hot Rod Deluxes, um, a Mar- a Marshall DSL 40, mm-hmm. uh, some or- orange micro terrors. Oh um, yeah, those are good. PV Classics, of course. Uh, AC 10, AC 15s. I mean, all the, all those are great amps. And, uh, before we were recording, we were talking about distortion pedals through bright amps and how sometimes it creates like a raspy sound, right? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I think, I think a lot, 
I have this problem with a lot of Vox type amps. Um, yes. Especially with, uh, um, oh shoot, not ceramic speakers, but Alnico. Alnico, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the, uh, just a fantastic clean tone. And sometimes that distortion pedal that sounded great in one amp now sounds real, like raspy and fizzly on the top end. And you're trying to dial it out by turning the treble down and turning the tone cut down, you know, and, and then you're, so then that screws with your, with your clean tone. Now you're back to a dark clean tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like in that situation with a brighter amp, you, you really need a pedal that's going to get pretty dark, you know? Yeah. I, I have not actually, I've played uh, AC type amps before and noticed, yeah, in my opinion, you're right. They're very, they're very finicky about what overdrives they like. Um, or what distortion pedals they like. And I've heard, and I've not tried this myself, but there's like specific pedals that have been kind of designed with the AC in mind. I've heard that like the hotcake is like an AC amp's best friend. Yeah, it sounds um, pretty good through that. Yeah. Um, I've heard some, I've heard some people say the Timmy, but like the Timmy's, the, I played a Timmy before and I think it sounded good, but I didn't try it through a Vox, but in my estimation, I would think I would run into the same issue. But I've, I have heard people say Timmy and Ovox is, is really good, too. I've just never personally tried it. I can't. Uh, uh, it's been a long time since I, since I actually played an actual Timmy. So I can't really speak to that. I mean, I'm familiar with the circuit, but I, I, I hear a lot. I hear, I, I've heard people say that Timmy's made for a Marshall and doesn't sound good on a blackface. And I've also heard the exact opposite. I just, I think it really well, just depends what I just know. I already know that's not true. It sounds great with blackface style amps. So, I, nah. I, I, I just think it's, it's like tone is so op- opinion based, right? I mean, we were talking before about a, a customer email. Um, I had to, he has a, a our new equator EQ pedal and he's mm-hmm. like, so how do I set my amp up? You know, what, what do I do with my amp here? Cause it's got the EQ on it. Like what, what do I do? And so I was explaining like, just Leave the pedal off, set your amp like you would normally set it, and then use that EQ pedal as like a secondary feature on your, on your, you know, in your chain. So mm-hmm. maybe you want something that's a little bit more mid-rangey for a part. Or, I mean, so now you, you have that ability to take, um, you know, your OCD and boost the mids up on it for that, for that section or for that song, you know? Yep. Or, or, or cut if it's a, let's say it's a clon or a tube screamer that's pretty mid-rangey. Now you can cut that out if you want. For, for a part for a totally different sound just using an EQ pedal. So it's not like, it's not like one replaces the other, which I think was kind of confusing them. I think the fact that there was two different EQs, um, was kind of throwing them for a loop. It's almost like, I mean, you should almost use it as borderline, like almost a different amp. Yes. Like, like, like Oh, I will really want to punch through on this part if you mess with it for a little while and then hit the EQ pedal and it will just radically, they're, they're kind of boring, but they're radically powerful. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's like, no one gets excited about an EQ, but when you actually mess with one and see what you can do with it, it's, it's like, Oh wow, this can change everything drastically. Yeah. It's super handy. It's just not sexy. Exactly. Kind of like a tuner. (laughs) Yes. I can't even tell you. I, I think I've discussed this before. How many pedals I bought before I finally broke down and got a tuner. Really? Like I, had like, I had a bunch of fuzz pedals and Leon was like, you gotta get a, you gotta get a tuner. I'm like, I, I got this headstock one. It'll be fine. And I finally got a tuner pedal and was like, well, 
Um, yeah, you're right. This was really stupid of me to not have one for so long, but but they weren't exciting, you know, they're not. Uh, but, um, you know, I am so picky about being in tune. Like I'm, uh, fanatical about it to the point of, and we've, we've mentioned this before, if there's an opportunity and I'm playing on stage and there's an opportunity to tune, I will tune, (laughs) you know, (laughs) let's say it's a, it's the middle of a song and there's no guitar and I'm like, Time to tune. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tuning. Just, yeah, that's right. Because you love those fancy strobe tuners that I don't like. Oh, I love I I love the strobe. In fact, I don't like anything that's not a strobe tuner, because mm-hmm. like uh, um like the Boss TU2s or TU3s or whatever, um, mm-hmm. super handy. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they suck. I'm not saying that. I'm saying me personally, I like the accuracy of the strobe tuner. Uh, it just feels like I can get a little closer to perfect, even though you're never going to get perfect with a guitar made out of wood and, you know, math being played by a sweaty person. Right. Yeah. And, and and bending the crap out of the strings and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. and the tension on every, like, it's just, you're not ever going to get perfect. Yeah. And, um, I forget, it might've been Frank Falbo or someone was breaking it down on one of these podcasts, I think about how, how, you know, how you're never really going to get perfectly in tune just because of everything going on with the instrument. And, oh, totally. And it was, uh, it was disappointing to me. You know, I was kind of depressed. I'm like, but I, I like, I like perfectionism when it comes to tuning. <laughs> so I don't know that and capos, man. Uh, I've seen, <laughs> you see, uh, I've seen people that have a capo on and, um, they'll, they'll tune it with the capo on and maybe the, the capo is like, a little bit crooked. And so when they pull that off then it's completely <laughs> out of tune and I'm like, ah, it's just stuff like that makes my, uh, makes my ears go nuts. You know, I'm like, <laughs> can't you hear the B string? It's slightly fat, flat. It's killing me. It's killing me. So I don't know. That's just uh, one of my weird, weird things about me, I guess. I like a Korg pitch black and I get it pretty close. I like the chords, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think um, I put those on our, our show boards, just because they're so they're so easy to use. Um, I put strobe tuners before. I, well, I did one year. I put them on the show boards, and it was it was confusing some people for sure. They're like, whoa, yeah, what what's what's going on here? They're they're definitely uh, more difficult to use, but not too bad once you get used to it. It's just yeah. If you've never used one before, you're like, why is everything spinning? <laughs> 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 yes that's not what we were going to talk about tuners no we were talking about inexpensive amps yeah we were yeah we just, <laughs> look at us go on topic anyway um, why would we yeah, you ever kinda, stay on you, topic that makes no sense whatsoever yeah it's not going to happen <laughs> um but yeah you were listing those on reverb i got i got some that are even cheaper in the arsenal um that i really like i'll go from they're all stacked over here in the corner so i'll just go from from top to bottom here. Um, one is that I, I like quite a bit, especially considering I got it for like the price of a pedal. I think it was on sale at Guitar Center. Um, it was the Fender Bass Breaker 7, this little 7 water they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly bought it because it was cheap, but it's actually not a bad amp. Um, definitely for the price, the Bass Breaker series is is worth worth looking at. Yeah. I don't know if you've messed with those at all. I've I've played them in stores and stuff. I've never bought one myself, but I always thought they sounded good. Yeah. They're they're just a little bit different flavor of Fender. I know I think 
they're supposed to be edging into the martial territory, but they don't sound like a marshal to me. They don't really seem martially to me. Yeah. It's it's more like a deeper voiced fender sound in yeah. to my ears. That's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. Um, so those are pretty good. And then under mine, now granted mine's been modified uh by Mr. Benson over at Benson Amps. Um but even the ones that I've played that weren't modified sounded pretty good. And if you can scoop these up for between uh, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, somewhere in that ballpark, the PV Windsor. Do you remember that thing? Yeah, it's kind of like a souped up uh, Classic 50, right? It's, you know, like, no, it's, like, it's like, I don't remember what the Classic 50 sounds like. I, I don't think that's this. This is like a, a Marshall, basically. Well, which is... So, yeah, the Classic 50 Dirt Channel is kind of Marshally. Is it? Yeah. This is very much a Marshall. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. So, like a um, kind of a JCM 800-ish type vibe, uh, I think is what they were going for. I don't know if that's entirely accurate as far as what the circuit is, but that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, well, there's and, only one way to find out. Let's see if we can find that schematic, you know? Oh, yeah, you pull that up. You tell me. Um. But mine's been modded a little bit, and I tell you, it sounds absolutely fantastic. Easily, easily best bang for the buck amp I own. It sounds really, really good. Huh. Um, the only downside to it is it's huge. Like, the head shell itself is way bigger than any. It needs ah. to cut about, like, two and a half, three inches off the top of it. It's just super giant for some reason yeah it's kind of 800 ish without no clipping diodes or anything in it doesn't look like so um yeah it's it's pretty 800 ish i would say okay Mm -hmm. that my ears weren't deceiving me that's what i thought was going on well i think what it is is all the uh 470k 47 picofarad um high pass filtering all all that that's going on i think that's probably what you're hearing there's several stages of that okay what (laughs) <laughs> exactly pico who you talking pico, coffee again pico ferret you know Who, who's that ferret ferret's an animal P- no pico ferret it sounds pico, like pico a ferret it sounds like a like latin american pop star <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't uh it's johnny pico ferret Performing his new hit song. Uh, yeah. All the filters. Um, <laughs> that was super nerdy. Um, and then, okay, so that one's a good bang for the buck. If you guys can find that on the used market, they're usually very inexpensive and they sound really good for the money. Um, I don't, I've heard varying uh, reports on the actual reliability of the thing at the end of the day, but you know, for 200 bucks, how, do, how can you go wrong, basically? Yeah, I don't have any experience uh, in that area with them. <clears throat> then at the bottom is one that we've talked about. We've talked about many times, actually. Um, is my very first amplifier. And I get this is the one I get a lot of grief for. Um, because people don't like the word crate. They, they tend, to, tend to not like that when it comes to amplifiers. But it's the Crate XTR120R. Solid state amp. And I've thought about getting rid of it several times over the years because I don't use it very much. But every time I plug in, especially on the clean channel with some good dirt pedals, it's like, 
you know, this amp sounds pretty good. And it served me well for years and years. It's like, I'm, I might get 50 bucks out of the thing. It's just not worth getting rid of, right. you know? Um, and it sounds like if I had a somebody that was starting out the way I was, I would 100% recommend the XT120R. Because like I said, you can probably scoop those things up for nothing yeah, these I recall, days. I recall those, I believe. Uh, I don't have one of those. I have a Crate uh, VC18. Which, which is, one's that? It is. Uh, it's like a little blonde thing. That a VC thirty, I think, which is pretty cool too, and a VC fifty. That I used to, I used to like that one a lot, actually, as I recall. Are um, those those little tweed ones I used to make? Or? It's like, it's kind of a. It's not really truly tweed. It's more like blonde. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Those are tube amps, though, right? The tube, the tube, yeah. And that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think they sound pretty good as well, uh, especially with the the transformer upgrade, maybe a little bit of a speaker upgrade. Pretty good stuff. Relatively affordable too, right? Very affordable. Yeah, I picked that one up for next to nothing. Yeah, yep. it's on on the good old eBay. The the bay. I'm a, I forget about the bay a lot. I I always think about reverb, and I ignore the fact that eBay is still a place that sells stuff. I I find there's an arbitrage there. Uh, to not to segment into the uh, business portion of the podcast, but um, there's an arbitrage there where. You can buy things cheaper on eBay and flip them for more on Reverb. I believe that because Reverb is like easier to use Mm -hmm. for for most you know most people. They got a good app and everything works pretty smoothly. Right. Um, eBay's clunky still. It's it's yeah. It's still like 2006 for eBay. You know exactly. So I could totally see that. You know, or you know maybe less than. Maybe Reverb has like well, they got their you know their handy price guide that's all in there. So like I think that like there's a quote unquote more informed consumer probably generally mm-hmm. on Reverb versus eBay as far as musical equipment goes. Could um, be. It seems like I find more oddball stuff on eBay. So if I'm looking for something like this vintage club, or I think it's a, I forget if this is the actual vintage club or just VC. Anyways, this particular amp, um, I couldn't find one on Reverb inexpensively. Uh, but I found mm-hmm. several on eBay that were that were fairly inexpensive, and um, I don't know. I just I, I can always find a lot of weird stuff. Like if I'm always looking for some pedal that I had 30 years ago, I usually go to eBay because you know someone selling from an estate sale or something. You know, and it right. just, just seems like that's I, I can always find the weirdest stuff there. There's a hot tip for you. If you want weird, go to the bay. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. The Bay. Let's see. I had one more amp I wanted to talk about, which it's not. It's covered up. I can't see it over there. Oh, yeah. Uh, my first tube amp. Um, these are not as cheap um, as the ones I was just talking about. Like, most of the ones I was just talking about are no more than $300. Um, those three that I mentioned. The crate is probably, like, 50 bucks. Right. <laughs> it costs you uh, more to ship it than it we than you get in selling it. Yeah. Exactly. Um the but the one I got is it's one of the last very last hand-wired uh Fender amps before they switched over to PCBs. Mm-hmm. Um and it is the Fender 75 head. Do you do you remember those things? Yes, I do. I had one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it's got red knobs, a, right? No, no. That's the evil twin. Uh, the evil twin has it too, but the one I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the M80, I think. Oh, the M80. That's right. Sorry. That's 
Yeah, this is just before that. Okay. Uh, this is when, um, I guess Rivera was working at Fender. Yeah. Um, and they kind of wanted to make something that sort of competed with the channel switching Mesa stuff. This is at least what the internet tells me. And so they come out with these, uh, the Fender 75, um, I think they had a 20, Fender 20. I can't remember all the numbers they have, but they, they're the corresponding wattages with the Mm. things. Um, as you can imagine, a 75 watt Fender head sounds is is pretty loud. Yes, <laughs> it's it's extremely loud. It has a master volume control and it has a clean and dirt channel. With the original versions, um, which this is, but it's been modified again by Mister Benson because he's my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it my problem with it is I could get it to sound fantastic clean or fantastic dirty but i couldn't switch between the channels like i couldn't just stomp on this channel switcher and have it work um Hmm. it would go it would switch to the clean channel and it would sound terrible um you could only dial in one or the other so i tend to use that as a a a clean pedal platform when i used it a lot back in the day um and it really worked good for that but there again you know it's one of the last hand-wired fenders and i think i i think i picked it up for $350, $350, something like that. Granted, this was seven, eight years ago, but I think they're still relatively affordable. And they you can get that classic kind of Fender tone out of them if that's what you're looking for. Hmm. Interesting. They're yeah. not without their quirks and problems, but they're, they're, they're pretty cool. Yep. Yep. So I got one more topic before we close this out. Oh. Now I want to pick your brain. You ready? No, I don't. My brain's... Ready to be picked. Looper pedals. Okay. Do you use them? Mm-hmm. You're talking so, about like a... You're not talking about like a true bypass switcher, which like, some people like, call looper. A, like a diddle looper. Uh, yes. You know, the layer parts upon parts. So, um, I'm, I'm, before we actually hopped on this, I was actually looking at some YouTube videos for people using looping in creative ways. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to pick your brain to see, like, what's the most creative way that you've seen someone use a looper? Besides, like, obviously playing a couple parts and playing acoustic in some coffee house or something, right? That's the – everyone – not everyone, but a lot of people use it that way, right? Like, what what are some off-the-wall weird ways people are using loopers now? So – well, so I use mine all the time because um, oftentimes I'm – making little clips for, uh, you know, for clients or trying to, you know, just for content for them to use or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I'm by myself and I really like to try to, I don't know, for whatever reason, when I'm playing by myself, I try to make, and the music pieces I try to create, I try to make them, uh, something that would be cool that could almost sound like there's multiple players going. Um, but there's not. So therein the looper comes, comes into play, obviously. Um, what I personally do with them is I just build layers upon layers. And I think what people forget about sometimes with the loopers is the more layers you're going to, you're going to build, um, the simpler you need to make your parts. Because once you really get crazy, you know, you're going to be doing things that are impossible to do unless you had like 20 guitar players. And as you can imagine, it can get pretty crazy if you have 20 guitar players. Um, 
So yeah, I use I use mine to actually create little little short pieces for people. Um, the person that comes to mind, and I haven't watched just a ton of her stuff, but what I have seen, she's done some really interesting things. Uh, uh, sure, I, when she plays solo, sure, her, her our group, or she's she's not really a group. It's Sarah Lipstate. She plays as Noveler or Noveller. I could have said that so stupid, and I don't know which way is the right way because I've only read it, not see, heard it spoke. <laughs> but she does really interesting, like uh, loop stuff. If you look up some of her performances, she's she gets crazy with it. Um, um, it's hard to describe, but she does. She kind of does that too. She creates pieces, and it's not all looping, um, but she does definitely integrate loopers into her stuff. And she uses lots of effects and you know, e bows and bows and all all kinds of stuff. Just look it up; it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, somebody else who gets really nutty with a looper. And I watched this live. He uses the DL4. Uh, Nick Reinhardt, uh, he also uses a lot of effects. He, he runs a, a Pedals and Effects YouTube channel with uh, mm-hmm. Juan Alderetti. Right. You've seen that probably? Yep. Mm-hmm. Nick gets crazy with that DL4. If you can look up some of his stuff sometime, yeah, you'd, you'd probably be blown away. He gets... he, he It's very accurate um, and very, like... Lots of layers and very, um, very technical as far as looping music goes. It's it's really interesting. Huh? It does sound interesting. Those are the those are the two that come to mind immediately. Um, I don't follow just a ton of looping musicians, I guess you would call it, but I do use one myself. So there you go. Yeah, I was I was just um, I was just kind of checking out some different people using loopers in in unique ways, and I. Uh, I hadn't got that far into it, but I wanted a head start. So there you go. That, that Check was out the- that, that was that was more for me than any of the listeners. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, welcome, Brian. <laughs> but maybe someone else wants to listen to it as well. Yes. So all right. Oh, and I guess if you're asking, which you didn't, but I keep it pretty simple. I use the Digitech uh, Jamman Express. The Jamman. Very- I use the yep. Ditto. Why Use the ditto. Why no ditto for you, Dudo? You want to know the truth? Yes. This is going to be really funny. <laughs> That's not funny. Uh, I, uh, this is really funny because oh, of oh, the you're, situation. Oh, it's coming. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's coming. You're, you're going <laughs> to like this. Because way back in the day, and I still remember where I was sitting uh, in the parking lot of this diner um, waiting from, waiting to eat lunch with my mother. Probably about, mm, I can't remember, right around the time the Velvet Fuzz came out, whenever that was. Okay, a couple um, years ago. Because I was I was trying to get a Velvet Fuzz, and I was trying to wheel and deal with various online retailers. And come to find out, that Wampler guy is just pretty sticky about letting people discount his pedals, uh, <laughs> as young Blake found out. But I really wanted that Velvet Fuzz, and I also really wanted a looper. So I... Called up Sweetwater, my guy at Sweetwater, and I said, "Hey, I'm looking to get this and this. I've been calling around trying to find the best deal. These are the two specific. I, I want these. I think it was a Ditto at the time." Uh, and he he says, Sweet, "Mr. Sweetwater man says, well, I'll tell you what, we can't discount any of the Wampler stuff, but we can do you a sw- pretty sweet discount on this this Jam Man Express." 
and it was like significant enough that it made me bite the deal. So that's when I bought my uh, my Velvet Fuzz and my Looper at the same time. Huh. So, not ever dreaming that I would be one day talking to Brian on a podcast all the time. This this was just early gear nerd days for me. And it was completely underwhelming whenever that happened, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, no, I, that, I still friend. have that pedal. I still play it all the time. I still love it. So, there. All right. Well, that's a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> talk, to you ne- talk to you next week, Brian. <laughs> talk to you next week. So, thank you for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. I really appreciate it. Hope you all enjoy it. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, make sure you email podcast at wamplerpedals.com. If you do like the podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us uh, stay up there in the search results. So if you like it, just leave a leave maybe leave a little comment, a couple stars on there. Really appreciate that. So, so thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>